This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Okay, y'all. I made it down uh, to Los Angeles. As you may know, last night I got to actually get interrogated by the Los Angeles district attorney. It was one of my best friends from college, and I wanted to interview him, and sure enough, he flipped it on me and interviewed oh, me. <laughs> um, but here I am uh, blessed and honored to be with Preston Smiles. Ooh, ooh. Man, um, I, we could probably take this so many different ways. Uh, let's talk about first something we recently have in common, which is becoming a dad. Oh, man. Game changer. Ultimate game changer. And you, uh, your son, Kingston, you said turns one Friday? Yes, yes. So Kingston, when I think of Kingston, I think of uh, Jamaica. Mm -hmm. um, I once was going to fly there. I, w I was on the plane there, and this lady, a mother, found out we were going to Kingston, my brother and I, by ourselves, without knowing what we were going to do. Yeah. And she immediately warned us, like, that's not a good idea. Uh -huh. I don't know what, if you've been in Kingston or what you think about that, but she did not recommend us going there by ourselves. Yeah. And we were just, like, saying we wanted to go and eat fruit, and we were raw vegans at this point, mm -hmm. so she took us up to, like, her farm on, I think it was, like, Mondaville. Yeah. Um, and we had a great time in Jamaica. Is there any connection between... Kingston, the town, your son's name, you, Jamaica, and I'm actually, I want to learn about like your roots. I, I, you're, um, a lot of people that I interact with online, I feel like I, I hold a very like supportive role mm -hmm. and uh, I could easily come like become their coach or mentor. But when I see you online, I'm like, you just look like you're doing something very similar to me for so many other people in your unique way. Like you're mm -hmm. leading people, obviously you're inspiring people, obviously I think you're already holding that father, older brother role for Absolutely. so many people. So I would love to learn about your family and starting with the family that's growing right now with Kingston and Alexi and what's going on in y'all's lives right now. For sure, man. Um, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for, for showing up and, and for being that space and also being willing to um, create a container for uh, other people to um, you know, tap into each person that you bring on this podcast medicine and so like I, I i don't take that for granted it's a big deal for us to come together and it's a big deal for anybody listening to this um for us to be in this conversation and uh so yeah my kingston first of all um i didn't know and for all the parents out there you'll understand this i didn't know that that there was a level a level of love available that i'm experiencing right now like there, there's, I, I, I want to bite him all the time. Like it, it, I love him so much. It hurts sometimes. It's like extreme primal and has helped me really step into my manhood, into my King, um, in a way that I didn't even know was possible. And, um, for that and a million other reasons, I'm deeply grateful that he chose me, that he chose us as his parents. And, um, it's been nothing short of divine. Um, we had a miscarriage recently in Jamaica, um, which is interesting that you bring that up, um, where we believed he had a little sister coming. Um, and yet um, she or he or whoever that being was decided that now wasn't the time. And it's, it's you know, been a really beautiful reminder of the perfectness of, of, of our planet, of our God, of our whatever we want to call it, and um, an invitation to surrender, an invitation to let go, an invitation to be present with the presence and allow what is trying to be moved to, through, and as me to be so. And um, it's brought me into a deeper level of gratitude. Um, talking and speaking about roots, I'm the youngest. Uh, I have older brothers who are not blood brothers, but lived in my house, lived in my neighborhood. My mom took care of them. They took care of me. I went to college with them. They taught me how to talk to girls. They taught me how to work on cars, that kind of thing. I have an older sister um, who's five years older, which all of everybody's at least five to six years older than me. And so, um, I feel like I grew up like an only child in some ways because they, they weren't brothers and sisters. They were like dads and moms in their role. Um, and I grew up in LA and I grew up in a gang and I grew up 
fighting. I grew up, you know, jumping fences and throwing rocks and stealing from liquor stores. And um, very early in my journey, I was placed in special education classes. And that, like, changed everything. It's actually something, it's a wound that I still um, process. It's something I still lean into and have to, like, sift through. Um, because I made up a story in my, you know, six, seven, eight-year-old consciousness that I was dumb, that I was less than, that I wasn't as smart as everyone else. And so I began to fight for the underdog. Anybody else who I believed was uh, treated as if they weren't equal. Um, and um, I think that that was one of the best gifts I've ever been given. So I'll, I'll start with that, and we can sort of sift through what's here. I, I've lived 20,000 lifetimes in this one and seen people die in my arms and have, you know, graduated with a master's degree with, you know, all A's. I've traveled the whole damn world. Like, it's, it's a lot, you know. I do trauma-based somatic work. Like, it's, I'm an interesting character. <laughs> yeah, oh man, I'm excited. One thing that's happening for me as you were speaking, especially about the miscarriage in your son and your roots, I was having a bunch of um, what I would call God bumps. Mm -hmm. Like I think most people call them goosebumps. Mm -hmm. um, do you? What do you think about that? Especially since you bring up the somatic yeah. uh, nature of ourselves. Yes. Um, and I'm curious for other people that are listening, if you would be kind enough to leave a review or direct message one of us did you get god bumps as well when preston was speaking do you get god bumps when other people are speaking <laughs> and what does that mean to you and i'll start with you preston since you're here with me do you get those when certain people are speaking at certain times and what does that mean to you yeah i think that there is mm, you know I'm, I'm reminded that there's only one of us here and i think a lot of us hear that and we we say one love one heart and and we like you know we we get it and then there's these times where uh, the mirror neurons right the science of us right um i remember the first time i really understood that um and for those of you who don't know what mirror neurons are uh, there was a scientist i think he was in the 70s who was doing some work with um, chimpanzees and he noticed uh he went on a break and he noticed that every time in, uh, he went to take a bite of his sandwich, the parts of the brain, which then triggered the body of the chimpanzees, would fire off the same parts of his brain while eating the sandwich. And he started to look at it, and he's like, wait a minute. There's something to this. And then, and then we started to look at the humans, right? So it's that same thing where if you see somebody breaks their leg, you cringe, right? You watch a scary movie, something happens. It's like it's happening to you. And so as I was sharing my experience, our experience, it became yours. You know, I recently was in Joshua Tree um, on, on an LSD and mushroom ceremony. And I had this realization because I was out there with some of the guys from Conscious Man Brotherhood, which is an organization that I started. And I had a, re a realization that my journey is our journey. Most of the time when I do medicine ceremonies, I go out and I, I lose myself. And it's all about me and diving deeper and ripping apart my ego and all of that stuff. And, and this one, the theme was my journey is our journey. Go back home. Be with your brothers. Bump up against each other. Watch the egos come up. Love on that. Be present to the presence. Allow the, um, the fullness of this human experience to explode in this beautiful setup called Joshua Tree. Feel me? Oh, yeah, I feel you. It, it reminds me of uh, something a little bit more grim or darker realization that I had once when I was thinking about, like, murder. Yes. And I was thinking, like, wow, murder is actually suicide in a way. Yeah. And it's, if you look at it in this yes. same context that you're explaining. Yes. So, um, yeah, that brought that up for me. And, uh, man, you're bringing up so many things, the LSD, the mushrooms. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> let's, let's go back. Uh, uh, we'll just go back a second. And with... Um, your older siblings, you said you had some siblings that were not blood. Is your si Do you have blood siblings? Is that mm -hmm. your sister? Yes. So you have one older sister related. So how, how are you hanging, like how are you living with older siblings that mm -hmm. were not technically blood siblings? I'm trying to figure out that setup. So my mom um, and my dad uh, both come from pretty big families and both have an uh, aspect of them that realizes and recognizes that when you are blessed, there's a responsibility in that. 
And so my mom would take these boys from the neighborhood. They got kicked out of their house. They lived with us. They didn't have food to eat. They came and ate with us. Anything happened, they got, you know, beat up by the police. We went to the hospital. We brought them back. Like, that was the, that's how it went. And so, of course, um, when somebody feels cared for, when somebody feels seen, they want to gravitate more towards those peoples. And anybody who has a business right now, hear what I'm saying. Sift through this conversation and hear what I'm saying. If your customers, a.k.a. clients, a.k.a. family, feel seen and heard, you will never have to look for business because it will find you. I've built a million-dollar business without advertising yet. Now, is it coming? Of course it is. However, how am I doing this? How do I speak all over the world? How do I fill up any program I do? It's because I actually give two Fs. I really do about the human experience. And I wanna, I'm just putting this in the space because sometimes as entrepreneurs, we think that it's about strategy. We think that it's about you know, cutting corners and like figuring out the ways to get over on people. Well, yeah, that's short-term thinking. But like the long term, like there's, there's a, um, a, uh, a barber shop that I go to that's not close to where we live right now. And I go there because he sees me, because we have a relationship. I drive an extra 30 minutes to get my hair cut by this particular person. And if I look at that and pull back and look at my own business, my own life, my own relationships, how many people are going, whatever Preston has, I want. Whatever Daniel has, I want. <laughs> Knocking over cameras with that yes. passion. I love yes, it. Yes, let's love get it. it. The elements are at work. Um, let's get it. So that, all right, so for the people that are just so caught up in like strategy, like may, I have a feeling some people might be asking, well, how do I strategize uh, being, seeing people yeah. or like caring <laughs> for people? Do you have any like palatable like strategies or modalities or yes. ways? Like how can I see you more? How do you see people more? Ask questions. Okay. Be curious and then ask for more, right? This is one of the fastest ways to get to create connection is like curiosity. Like, well, tell me more. Like, how, did, how do you see the world? What do you mean by that? What do you, what do you really mean by that? Right? That, that's a game changer. You know, I was doing a talk at a, at a mastermind the other day. A guy named Chris Harder has this, like, money. It's called For the Love of Money Mastermind kind of thing. And I was explaining to them that uh, we are social and historical beings, right? Which means we were born into beliefs and interpretations. And so, like, for instance, um, for a long time I was a Christian, right, which I believe you are, right? Maybe, maybe not, but that's my projection. Um, for, so for a long time I was a Christian, and at one point, when I really started to understand all of, all of what has m me calling myself Preston, uh, I asked my mom. I said, well, well, why are you that? And she said, well, you know, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, X, Y, and Z. And I said, but yeah, well, but where'd that come from? And she's like, well, your grandmother. Okay, well, awesome. So let's talk to my grandmother. Well, why are you that? Well, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, X, Y, and Z. But yeah, like, like before that, though. Because we're, we're always being programmed and conditioned, right? As, as children, we look to our parents. They are our gods. And so whatever they say is becomes the thing that we either lean into or we re rebel against. And so she explained that she got it from her mom, and her mom was a slave. And so she was raped, abused. Her husband was probably killed, given an extra, uh, a different last name, Davis, the one I carry, and told, this is your new God. And, you know, eight, nine generations later, here I am, living out someone else's truth, not questioning it. One of my favorite lines comes from uh, a book called The Science of Mind. And I remember when I read this, it literally floored me. He said, and this is Ernest Holmes, he said, get your answers questioned. Oh, no, here it is. Get your questions, no, no, fuck, all right, hold on. Yep, get your questions answered and your answers questioned. And I remember thinking about that, and I'm gonna say it again. Get, get your answers questioned and your questions, fuck, I'm messing it up, but you get what I'm saying. Oh, I, I get it. I, I, you're like kind of 
tapping into the paradoxical level of nature, I would yes. say. And I like the idea of getting my answers questioned. Yes. Not stopping at, oh, well, this is just how it is. Well, let me look again. Is that true for me? Do I still choose that? Because if, I was, if I've been born into beliefs and interpretations, right, there's a whole bunch of of courses. We all have these of course. Of course, you turn your turn signal on when you're turning. Of course, you chew with your mouth closed. Of course, you should vote Republican. Of course, you should vote Democrat. Of course, white people are the devil. Of course, Asian people can't drive. Right? All of these things that live under. Of course, you don't use that much shampoo when you're washing your hair because you don't need that much. Like the little, the, the minutia and the gigantic stuff, all isn't necessarily what we consciously chose. And so a lot of my life, I'll say even the last 10 years, has been un, unlearning, undoing, subtracting things that I no longer choose, including the money story, including how I found myself at 33 years young, never making more than $60,000 ever. Right? I had to look at that. Moved in with my mom at 33. Sitting there going, well, what kind of man am I? Who am I? Even questioning that. Oh, money is attached to manhood. Whoa. And this is something that scares me. This is something that has me on my edge. Why, why can't I make more than 60K? And so that particular year at 33, moving in with my mom, I made a decision that I was going to seek out mentorship, coaching, workshops. I was going to get in the game and see what was really there for me. End of that year, I made 150000 Next year, three. Next year, six. Next year, one million. Bang, 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 bang. I annihilated the paradigm. A lot of us are carrying generational trauma. We're carrying stuff that isn't even ours. That mindset, that money is the root of all evil, all of that stuff was not mine. That was my dad's and his dad's and his dad's. That was my mom's and her mom's and her mom's. That was the slave mentality. Not good enough. And so I took it on. Yeah, the, to me, you're pointing at the keys of breaking normal and being original. I, I literally just finished a book on the drive down from Portland called Originals from Adam Grant. Um, anyways, he's talking about like if you really want to become an original, start asking like look look at rules yes. and figure out the root of them. And yes. they're usually made up by people that are maybe no different than us, and yes. maybe a little different, but at the core the same. Yeah. And that kind of is a, a game changer to realize. They'll say, "Wait a minute." So even language was made up by other men Bro. <laughs> or women. And Wild. I'm like, uh, that's a yeah, that's weird. <laughs> what does that mean for me? So I'm happy you're asking those questions. And I, and I, although I haven't been to one of your events, which I'm extremely excited to do one day, maybe we can do that. Switcheroo, you come to a tribe design. What, what are the events you're like? What's the next event you're offering? By the way? Uh, there's one in April. Oh, whereabouts? In, in LA, and then the, all of May we'll be in Australia doing them. Okay, and is this the bridge experience? Bridge experience. Okay, yeah. I want to talk about that too, and I'm gonna go back. We're gonna do a little spiral here. Yeah. Um, so, where was your dad and all this with your mom? Here you are, growing up in a home yeah. where your mom it seems like is almost rescuing people mm -hmm. that have kind of gotten swallowed up by a system, yeah, and kind of chewed up and spit out. And she's now nurturing them, and they're nurturing you and showing you the yes. ways of what they. Um, were these older siblings of yours? Were they still kind of? dabbling in trouble or were they cleaned up? It was just kind of a mixed bag like any yeah. youth. Yeah, exactly. Okay. They, they were just, you know, teenagers who never got a rites of passage. But not the, to the same degree when you were mentioning you were stealing from liquor stores? Is this stuff you were doing with yeah. them? Some of them were doing that and more and worse. Some mm -hmm. of my friends right now, like I sent money to jail to one of my really good friends who did the same stuff I did. And he's been in jail for like 10 years. Hmm. Right? But I also have a belief that um, there are no mistakes in God and that we are exactly where we need to be in order to dispense the medicine that is handwritten on our soul. And so he can do that from jail and I can do it from here. And uh, you, God makes no mistakes. And although it might not, you might not be, um, I guess, relating to God as the same way that you did when you grew up no. with the Christian paradigm. What is God to you now? Like when you mentioned God, I'm, I know it's a big yes. question, but uh, you're, you're talking big. You're, you're, <laughs> you're giving us some big things to think about. So let's keep it going. What is Shots God to fired. Preston Smiles? Let's get it. Uh, God is isness. 
It's love. It is the air we breathe. It is everything that exists in existence. Every hair on my head, every tree, every booger in your nose, all of it is God. Not just the stuff we, we label beautiful, right? It's the profane and the profound. It's all of it, right? Like the container that is earth and the invisible laws are all God. And I believe that the same power that Jesus had is the same power that Hitler had, is the same power that Gandhi had, is the same power that Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, Daniel Eisman, Preston Smiles, and anybody else who's ever walked this earth. And so for me, I believe that God cannot separate itself. I believe and know in my heart of hearts, in my body, in, in, in my beingness, that there is no separation. And so there is no spot where God's, well, oh, this is the border where I stop being. I've been in the bush in Africa and, and seen God. I've also been on Wall Street and seen God, all of it, right? Mother Teresa said she'd walk the streets of Calcutta seeing the face of God everywhere she went. I put myself on that challenge. I, I put my, my, um, my clients on that challenge. We do two-hour God goggle sessions where we say, okay, shh, here we go. Everything I see, everything that comes into my space, everything I, 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 I breathe into is all needs met and all of it is God. Let's see how that feels. Let's see what that does cellularly to the body. And that's also probably, that belief I'm imagining is very nurturing for you to see people. If yes. you're looking at them as God. If, if I'm looking at someone or something as God, then I'm probably going to be paying attention. Yes, for sure. It's a big deal, right? And then, and then like, think about it, right, D? So, like, 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet. There's a lot to be interested in. And yet you... And me, and probably some of these people listening on this podcast are interested in a particular thing. I don't take that for granted. I don't think that this is just like, just life. This is a miracle. We are living in a miracle. And we've been called, right? We've been asked. And the question is, is how deep is your yes? How powerful is your yes? Are you a full-fledged, two feet in cannonball, yes? Or do you have one foot in, one foot out? And nobody's wrong for wherever they are in that process. Right? But it's our duty to say yes. Yeah, on, on the Bible notes, that reminds me of like this, if someone, someone's lukewarm, mm -hmm. they, they'll be spit out. And mm -hmm. I, I, that's a parable or a metaphor. I'm not exactly sure the literal quote, but yes. you're reminding me of that. And I think when we, and it reminds me of Albert Einstein, like that either nothing is miraculous or yes. everything or is miraculous. Everything, bro. It's so good. It's so good. Like, look at this freaking table. Look at this technology that has been created such that people can hear us and participate in a conversation that they can actually receive. Like, uh, my mentor was talking to me about this, and she said, you know, 10 people walk into a bookstore. All 10 are going to see different books based on their consciousness, based on their availability. And so if somebody is listening to this podcast, that means that we all, you, me, and those persons have a similar frequency. We walk into the bookstore and see particular books. And so we've been called together. We've, 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 you know, coagulated and come together. I still sit in the question, what is, what is being asked of us as a collective and as an individual? What is the earth asking by, by bringing all of this? What is God trying to do through us, right? Four stages of consciousness, to me, by me, through me, as me. Most of the planet, to me. I'm a victim to, right? I'm at the effect of people get into the entrepreneur secret manifestation world and they go to buy me, right? They get into their Gary Venus and they, oh, I can create anything I want. Just hustle my face off. Awesome, right? We don't you know, necessarily graduate and never go back to to me. And then there's some of us, some of us who are playing in the through me. We're saying, use me, spirit. Let me be the vehicle for your love. 
Let me be the, the container for what is being asked of the planet. That's a whole nother conversation. And then there's the asmi, which is the Buddha nature, the Christ consciousness. This is, this is a whole nother ball game and not, not, not attainable. I believe that most of the kids are doing molly and things like that so they can touch it, so they can feel it because they didn't have parents slash don't yet that have embodied what it looks like to really honor this sacred dance called life. And so these little kids are out popping pills so they can feel God because they've been so disconnected because their parents have and their parents and their parents. Back to the question, what are we here for? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's to show people how to feel again, how to be connected, how to love again. At the, at, you know, my book is called Love Louder. 33 ways to amplify your life. The point of that book is, is for us to understand that when we amplify our love, we amplify our lives. I literally don't have to look for clients. They come to me all day, every day. I say no more than I say yes. What kind of business model is that? It's the one where you actually really care about humans and then they just reflect it right back to you. Thank you, man. Thank, um, this is good to hear. It's refreshing for my soul. Yeah. Um, all right. So back to the, where is your dad in this? When, my dad. Yeah. My dad. Lived. I love this because anyone that wants to get the whole transmission, yes. you're going to have to like listen to the whole thing. Yes. This is not just the bits and pieces because we could be at age three midway through and then age one later and then age like now at the beginning. Bro, this is the thing. I told you I'm weird. You are too. You're pretty, you're pretty weird. Um, my dad lived a few blocks down the street. And my dad is epic, awesome human being. Um, he's been one of my greatest teachers. Um, some of the biggest wounds I've experienced were, uh, I'd say, by way of some of his ways of being, some of his choices uh, as it pertains to drugs and alcohol and women and all of that stuff. Um, and we're best friends. I talked to him yesterday. Um, he's freaking awesome. And my dad, uh, I'll tell you this quick story. My dad uh, caught me smoking weed at 11 years old. And I had moved in with him at this point because I lived with my mom, then I lived with my dad, divorced. And he caught me smoking weed when I was 11. And I had just go joined a gang called NFCG, which was notorious fucking criminal gang, which was a, like a, a clique out of Harbor City Crip. And um, he caught me smoking weed and he sat me down and I'm thinking I'm about to get a whooping, right? Because, and side note, um, I think that a part of the healing that I'm even in now, as it, far as it pertains to the religion of Christianity, is around how some people in certain communities use Bible verses to break the will of their children. And the spare the rod, spoil the child, I heard growing up. And um, there's, a, there's a thin line between abuse and, and actual discipline. And so I'm just putting that out there as a side note. So 11 years old, he catches me smoking weed, and I have this conversation, like, oh, I'm about to get my, my butt whooped. Like, this is about to go down. And he says, um, let's have a chat. It's okay. He said, I want you to take 24 hours to think about and look at all the people who you know smoke weed. Your uncles, boys on the corner, me. And I want you to think about, and I'm 11, um, whether you want their life. Because if you do what they do, what I've done, you'll get what I got and what they got. And I went to talk and he said, no, no, don't say anything. We'll talk tomorrow. So 24 hours goes by and I'm in my room thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be on punishment. Like he's going to take my Nintendo, like all the stuff, right? Genesis was out at that point. I'm like, yo, I'm, basketball is going to go away. And 24 hours goes by. We sit back down and... I make the decision, right? Which was genius of him, not to like force me into it. So I make the decision that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want what, what all these people have. That's not the life I want. He says, well, fantastic. Whatever you choose, I'll always have your back. Okay. He said, I also want you to know that you're a leader and you're such a leader and so much of a leader that if everybody else is going left and there's something within you that says you have to go right, you'll do it anyway no matter what they call you, no matter what the consequences. Now he's pouring into me, pouring into an 11 year old little boy, right? And then he says, okay, you can go. 
And so I like walk out the house thinking like, what just happened? Now let me just give you like, I'm going to fast forward to 15 years old. At this point, at 15, I have this group of friends. One of them, his name is Scott. The other's name is Rudy. The other's name is Emmanuel. Rudy has a blue Astro van that we jump in and go steal from liquor stores pretty much every week. And we have to find new liquor stores to do this thing called runouts, where you walk in, pretend like you're an adult, grab the alcohol, go to the counter, and then as soon as you think that you pretend like you're going to pay, you run out. And so this was like our thrill-seeking rites of passage for 15 to 17-year-olds. And so Scott, my best friend, calls me this particular night. And I pick up the phone. And he's like, yo, we come to pick you up. We're going to do a run out. Some of us going to smoke some weed, et cetera, et cetera. And this was my first time really understanding intuition because something said, don't go. And then my dad's voice popped in my head. You're a leader. And you're such a leader that if, if something doesn't feel right, you'll say no anywhere. And so I said, yo, you know what? I'm a chill tonight, man. He's like, what? Don't be a bitch. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a chill tonight. Come on, P, you got to go. I'm like, no, no, I'm chilling. All right, I'll catch you guys tomorrow. All right, cool. Hangs up the phone. Within one hour, every single person in that blue Astro van that I was in the night before that, the night before that, the night before that, and the night before that. Every single person was shot. And Scott, my best friend, who I just got off the phone with, was shot in the head and died. And we used to fight over the front seat. You ever do that with your brother? Shotgun, that thing? A little bit, a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah, so we used to fight over the front seat. And so when I found out the next day while I was on the basketball court that he died, I collapsed on the court and my mom came and grabbed me and we drove to his house to find out if it was true. And as we turned the corner, my mom had a white Camry and the windows were down and we could hear his mother screaming as we turned the corner through the buildings, my baby, my baby, they took my baby. I'll never forget that scream. Because I'm a kid. I'm 15. I don't understand how to process this. At this point, tears and, and sadness and grief have been beaten out of me. Because you raise a little boy to be a big boy, not to be a faggot, not to be some little pussy who cries. And you'd have that boy be now 15. Right? That was the consciousness. This is not my truth now, but I'm telling you the consciousness that I was operating from at that point. We hit that corner, his mom is screaming, crying, my baby, my baby, they took my baby. And my mom runs in and grabs her and holds her. And I'm just sort of standing there like my friend is dead. I literally was just on the phone with him and my friend is dead. What does this, what does this mean? How does this happen? What do I do with this? Am I going to die next? Like this is straight up full-fledged trauma. And I didn't know how to cry. I didn't know how to be with it. I didn't know how to feel it. So I just shut down. Went to his funeral. Sat all the way in the back. Walked past his body. Looked weird. And got home and asked my dad. I said, I got to go. He said, where do you want to go? I said, I don't care. Just get me out of L.A. Because I'm scared. He makes a call to uh, a woman, Shirley Russell. Shirley was sitting next to my mother at my wedding um, in 2016. Um, he calls this woman. This is before the internet. Um, and, and he says, my son's in trouble. Can you take him in? She says, of course. Never seen her. She's never seen me. This is high school sweetheart. I get on a plane two weeks later, fly to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I get off the plane. There's a sign with my name on it and a light-skinned black woman named Shirley Russell holding that sign. I walk up to her. She says, give me a hug, baby. I move in with her. Two days later, I check into North Allegheny High School, which at the time was one of the most uh, affluent high schools in the country. Like, everybody had BMWs and Mercedes and all of that stuff. And we pulled up, and I'll never forget this. We pulled up, and there's turf football fields and the BMWs and Mercedes, and it was straight up like Fred's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in reverse. So we pull up, and her beat up car and I get out and uh, 
like a vice president or whatever, somebody meets me at the, at the doors and they start walking me through the hallways. And as I'm walking through the hallways, you know how in high school the doors have like a slit in them where you could see out the window. And so everybody's seeing me as I walk by each classroom and they're like tapping each other and like, yo, 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 like, 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 look, right? And I'm like, what? why are they doing this? And um, I get in the office and she says, oh, you're going to be in this class, you're going to be in this class and you're going to try out for the basketball team and X, Y, and Z and, you know, any questions before you go to class? And I said, well, yeah, I, you know, ma'am, I have one question. And she's like, yeah, it's just really interesting, but like, is there anybody who looks like me in this school? And she was like, oh, you mean black? No, you're the only black kid in the whole school. And I lost it in the best way because I was like, whoa, this is an opportunity. I've never went to a school where I'm the only black kid. Fast forward two weeks later, I'm in a new gang called Wexford Mafia. I'm in, and this is, I'm going to end the story here. I'm in my buddy Brad's BMW. This is at that point where kids used to try to act tough, right? And so he's in this BMW. We're all drinking 40s. They're smoking weed, drinking and driving. Not a great idea at 16. And he has his seat laid back all the way in my lap. Did you ever drive like that? Did you used to drive like that? I think I've probably passed out after some like overnight driving and surf trips and just like laying yeah. down so I can imagine. You're saying the passenger side or the driver side? He Driver. Had, oh, so he, he had it all the way back like okay. like, like a gangster. You yeah, know, I have like, not driven like that. I've yeah, seen yeah. some videos. Yeah. Okay, so he's actually doing it. Yeah, so this is like this rich white kid who's like, like driving like he's like straight up gangster, right? And his freaking chair is in my lap. And... Uh, it was interesting because I had it like a, you ever have like a realization in, like in a surreal moment for you? Where I was like, I was headed to a party. You know, I had become Mr. Popular at this school instantly because I'm the only black kid and they're all curious. I'm headed to a party. I'm in a new gang called Wexford Mafia. It's all white kids. We're all, they're all super rich. And we're headed to a party. And I'm doing the same thing I was just doing a month ago with my dead friend. I'm literally drinking. They're smoking. We're headed to a party. And I have this realization. Uh, I stumble upon environmental psychology at 15 and a half, where I see that the kids at my former school were doing the same thing, but they're going to jail. And the kids at this new school doing the same exact thing, bombarded by the same exact media, and they're going to Yale and Harvard. Right? And I started to ask myself, well, what's the difference? Same media, same music, same ethos, same consciousness, and yet there's an of course for them that is not an of course for them. And I, I sort of weaved my way through the verse in the Bible where they say, forgive me, Father, for they know, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I got under all of it, and I went, ah, this is all love. This is only love, right? Underneath the stories of black white, gay, straight, Christian, Muslim, underneath all of this is our truth, which is love. Vibrational frequency of love. That's all we are. And that opened my paradigm. It opened my space up just enough at 15 and a half to literally change the trajectory of my entire life. I would not be here today if it wasn't for that day in that BMW where I had that realization because I, it, it you know awareness comes before choice and we cannot disown that which we have never owned and this was an opportunity for me to own my own prejudice my own fear and to really look at the what we would call the matrix and pull back as a kid and go ah, there's a whole system set up for me to fail just based on my skin color. Now I can be mad at the system and I can be mad at the man and I can be mad at white people and all of this stuff. Or, and or, because I did have a little anger. I can teach this. I can show the way. I can be bigger than it. I can be a living, walking, talking example, breaking the, the, the generational cycles of programming. And th th was that literally that wake-up call when he was in your lap kind of thing? Was that like when this shift? Yes. Is that, that's the remembrance of yes. That just sounds like when your new season <laughs> began. Yep. Wow. Game time. Wow. And then, oh, oh man. And, uh, man, these stories definitely 
embody a lot of emotion. I've, I've been very present with myself and, um, wow, from the miscarriage to your friend to you waking up to like the programming that's going on around you, those are definitely emotional realizations for me to even empathize with. So um, I think that's also partly probably why I experience so much emotion with your words. Hmm. Thank you for, uh, it seems like a way of you kind of freeing yourself from all that pain and programming was for you to feel it. Yeah. And maybe that's, if I had to guess, a lot of what you're helping others do Absolutely. at the events and such. And I know we've had people that have con come to both of our events. Um, one thing that I, I heard about the Bridge Experience, someone, someone that came to a tribe design, was that y'all do some work around nudity. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I used to do quite a bit as well. And I still do it. Like men, I kind of split the men and women when we do it th yeah. these days. Yeah. I'm, cu I'm curious, what is your experience around those? Because that, to me, has been one of the most... Like, we've done workshops where we've gotten people to stand naked in mm -hmm. front of other naked people mm -hmm. and say their worst sexual experience, their yeah. best sexual experience, what they're most insecure about their body, what they're m most proud about their Absolutely. body. And what that brings up is definitely a, a reality to the programming that's around For us sure. from the clothes to the way we relate to one another yes. and to the way we to relate to ourselves. And I just find it so crazy how many people are carrying shame around their miraculous humans, human suits they're in right now. Yes. I would love to, know what those facilitating those experiences and maybe being part of them has brought up for you and others like what's the common golden thread there and do you recommend that or yeah if someone wants to feel what it's like to be naked and raw and really give up what other people think about them even if they're on stage naked yeah um so i, I want to start with we don't do events we do um ceremonies that are wrapped in the idea of a workshop a somatic experiential two and three day workshop that is deep in there are no stages we are just as much in it as they are everything we ask them to do we do real time and it is a deep end ceremony and everything stacks on everything it's it's um our understanding of this human experience is that the body is a living library that stores everything we've ever been through and um sort of like a bathtub that's filled with water uh, and the water's still pouring in, the work that we do is an opportunity to pull the plug on it. It doesn't mean the bathtub immediately drains, no, but we create space, we create room, we create a container for people to experience more of themselves, to come back to that part of themselves that has never been hurt, harmed, or endangered. And so what we do is we help reset the parasynthetic nervous system to a place where people have never experienced themselves in that way. And the exercise you're speaking about is one of many. And that one is actually not the one that messes people up. That's actually one of the easiest ones. Right, because they are definitely ten times more naked in the work. Sh other things we do that have nothing to do with clothes. Right, we go deep. There is no place to hide in our workshops, which is why a lot of people don't go. We have friends who are like, "Yo, I'm scared. Like legit, my, like I'm known as something in the world, and so I'm. There's a part of me that doesn't want to be seen going there. Right, which is all good. Everybody, everybody gets to choose what they choose." We, the way we're setting up our container is that this is deep in. This is past landmark and MITT and all of those things. This is the edge. This is like could be sued. Like we go far. And 99.99% of the people that go through our stuff come out and say, yo, like I've never gone that far. Or like, yo, I was prepared to go about right here and I went 10 times past that and I feel cleaner and clearer than I ever have been before. The exercise you're talking about is an extreme leadership. That's our part two. That's our advance. The bridge experience by itself is deeply confrontive, beautiful, fun, playful, all that stuff. We use music. We have like human Shazam that people go through and try to like as a group beat the group that went before them. It's like a whole thing. We make it super fun and also it's like the ultimate ego death. And um, I think it's really important for us to face off with our bodies, these beautiful skin suits, as you mentioned, and allow them and ourselves to really be seen outside of the mask that we've unconsciously, strategically placed on from childhood. Right? Like I, so for instance, I, I grew up with some pretty stressed out parents. And so I became an out of the way kid. 
And so my mask was one of the responsible kid. So at home, I was never in trouble. Outside, ape shit. Outside, when nobody was around, when it was just my friends, I would go bananas. At home, out of the way. I know people and have worked with people who were the cheerer-upper kid. They had depressed parents. And so the mask and the, the unconscious survival mechanism that needed to come forward was the cheerer-upper. I know people that had to hide and disappear in order to be safe. All of these are strategies to stay safe. And so what we do is we come and chisel and punch and rip at that mask until they leave out that third day going, whoo, I am more of me than I ever have been in my adult life. It's, it's like ultimate personal freedom. This is not about us and our stage and our egos and our, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm a great facilitator. This is like, I'm going to fight for your life. And are you willing to? And what happens is when we hold the bar that high, what happens is everybody either comes there or they have to leave. And we've had people go, yo, this is pretty on my edge. I want to leave, but I'm not going to. And they're usually really, really, really grateful at the end. Yeah, I can uh, relate to that so much, uh, the events we've been a part of. It's, like, that's my n continuous advice. Like, if you want to leave, let us know because mm -hmm. it's probably very important that you stay. Because those are the people that had, like, the biggest – we've had people that are, like, on their way out, and then they had one conversation, and they got back in, and then their life changed. Yes. So I definitely encourage whether you're uh, – whatever experience you're having, if there's a part of you – especially if it's more about like your reputation or your character or what other people will think that's feeling very edgy about experiencing something, it's probably, there's some, probably some gold there for you. <laughs> so I push the lean into that. Um, and man, I'm just curious because you were, I, I love the money talk. I love how you're just talking about money explicitly and yeah. it's a fun topic for you. What has, uh, I'm curious to maybe conclude this. What were those quantum leaps for you? I know you mentioned the um, really giving two Fs about people yes. where maybe the quantum leaps in your income came from. Mm -hmm. Was there anything specific like a, a book or an event or something that was yes. like, oh, this is where I'm going to just produce. This is where I can give my gifts and yes. receive more income. And this is how I can take my finances to the next bracket. I'm just curious about some of those stepping stones for you or those quantum leaps for you. Yeah. There's one that I teach in everything I do. You know, some of so I have man cave, I have stress 22, I have one-on-one -on -one coaching. We have bridge experience. We have a relationship course coming out. We have a train-the-trainer and a coaching certification program. So I have a lot. Mm -hmm. There's one thing that goes through all of those that I, will, I don't give up on because that's the thing that got me here. That's the thing that moves the needle in my relationship with my wife, Alexi. That's the thing that I focus on with my family, with everything. It's the, re it's the reason why my no is so strong. And that is... Um, and it, it comes in the form of a book, but I was doing it before I got the book. Once I got the book, this was like ultimate, like, yes, now I have uh, even a blueprint for somebody who's already been doing this at a high, quote unquote, a higher level. And the book is called The One Thing. A lot of people have probably read it. If you haven't, I highly suggest it. Um, it's by Gary Keller. The premise of the book is the reminder that success is sequential, not simultaneous. And so, you know, asking ourselves, what is the one thing out of everything? You know, let's talk 2019. What's the one thing? And I want you to answer this, and I'll answer it myself. What's the one thing if you only nail that in 2019 and nothing else for you, you would feel deeply satisfied, and it would create space and room for everything else in your life? And anybody listening, answer that question. What's the one thing? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind and heart is like really making sure that Deanna, Navina, and myself are like loving each other to our highest capacity. Mm -hmm. And especially for me and Deanna to be there for Davina, like she's mm -hmm. seeing the world as like a loving, miraculous place. Boom. Okay. Now answer that question for your business. It's probably the same thing that every customer feels the same way as Davina does. Boom. There we go. Now, now if I was coaching you and supporting you, we would, we only thing we would do is add, make it measurable, right? So we can know like, okay, you're pregnant or you're not. Like it happened or it didn't happen mm -hmm. at the end of mm -hmm. 2019. And so I'm doing that throughout my whole life on a day-to-day -day basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and on a year, and it's all connected. So what I have over here is connected to what I'm doing today. I have a success list. 
There's only three things on that list every single day. Is there, do I have 38,000 things to do every day? Yes, I could. But for me, I won when the three things are checked off. Everything else is extra. Everything else is, is cherries on top. And so the, the, the game is to ask yourself what that is and then to reverse engineer backwards. So, okay, I got all these things. You just heard me. I just named a bunch of stuff, right? For my business, the one thing out of everything I just named, if all of those remained exactly the same but this one thing blew the hell up, it would be the relationship course that my wife and I are creating. And so I'm setting my no in my life up such that that thing receives priority because success is sequential, not simultaneous. So what sequential steps, what do I need to do on a day-to-day -day basis to move the needle such that this day affects next week, affects next month, affects and to the point where we look up and we're like, yo, we, we went past what we could actually perceive. So going back to never making more than $60,000 at 33 years old and then that same year, like finishing that year at 150 and then bang, 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 and just exponential. Like just in my company, in 2019, I'm going for three million. Not because I need it, but because of who I become in the process. What aspects of myself need to be drawn out? What, what, where am I still hiding in my business? Where am I still hiding in my uh, persona that I would have to come out of hiding in order to make that a reality, right? Because money's listening, money is energy, how do I want to align with that? Where am, I, where am I in my comfort zone hiding out? That's a game changer, bro. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, man. I know Adam Rowe is right around the corner for the next yes. one. And I'd maybe we can just conclude this if you feel aligned with it. Maybe just asking each other a few rapid-fire questions yes. to conclude this. Uh, one that I was thinking about, because you mentioned like Molly, LSD, mushrooms, mm -hmm. ganja, and then you mentioned your dad who may have kind of had some situations with that. Yes. Have you ever smoked ganja with your dad? No. Definitely not. Okay. Um, I just recently smoked weed for the first time after 10 years. Same thing with alcohol. I didn't drink for 10 years. I didn't smoke weed for 10 years. And so I just did it in Jamaica, um, January 2nd. Wow. And I probably won't do it again until another year maybe or maybe another 10 years. It was one of those things that I knew I needed to stop. I needed to break that because I was using it as a badge of honor. I was using it as a way to be better than everybody else. You understand mm. that? Like I oh, caught yeah. the ego going, oh, look. You haven't drank for 10 years. You haven't smoked for 10 years. You're that guy. You, you're so disciplined. You're better. <laughs> so, okay, cool. I'm going to beat that. I just got to break that up so I can't use that as this thing, you know? The ego is really tricky. Okay, question for you. Yeah, let me, what I'll do is I'll put this on the timer for three more minutes. Do it. And then we'll just go rapid fire back and forth. Um, we're on. Uh-huh. When's the last time you had a plant medicine ceremony? Um... Probably last night, and not in a ceremony <laughs> yes. in the sense yeah. of a tribe, yeah. but I, I smoked some ganja and tobacco last night. A little tobacco this morning. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. Are you still Christian? And if so? Um, so the Christian, I, I've probably strayed away from identifying with the religion of Christianity. Yes. So I am definitely probably Christian-based, yes. but I feel like my, rela my religion is more of a relationship. Got it. I, def I imagine if I went to a Southern Baptist church and preached on the pulpit, most people would not consider me Christian. Got it. Yeah, that's awesome. But I do believe Jesus lives in, within me, and I can have him as a savior, Yes. the savior. And uh, that, I don't know what that means, if it fits into <laughs> – I, I guess Christianity <laughs> means different things to different people. <laughs> yes. Yes, bro. I love it. What's your favorite thing about your child? My child? Oh, man. Oh, the way she's just like – the bliss seems to be a natural state, mm. like how her, and all the emotions seem to be a natural state, but I really love it when she seems just blissed out mm -hmm. for no reason. Where do you still get to go in your relationship that you haven't been um, going? Oh, probably uh, much more like primal sexuality, oh. Can, uh, abnormalizing my sexuality with oh. my queen. Oh, yes. How about yourself on that question? <laughs> um, not taking things so personal. I think that, that that's one of the things that as I continue to practice that, it'll, it, it continues to change our relationship because she has different hormones. She's a different creature, mm -hmm. right? We're not the same. Her gray matter is different than mine, right? It's just different. 
It's different intelligences. And so sometimes when those things are coming up, I take them personal, which creates more friction in our relationship. And then what's the most challenging part uh, with you and Kingston? Mm, um, it's been like, whoa, that was, I was not expecting to be challenged this way. I think probably just constantly taking the labels and the things I want for him to be later on off of him. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Even walking. Like, this, like, oh, you should be walking right now. No, bro, you should be doing what you're doing. <laughs> yes. You know? One more each. Yep. Um, if you had to move one place and could not leave for the rest of your life, where would you go? Oh, man. Ba, ba, ba. I'm going to say Byron Bay. Boom. Interesting. I would say there, but I don't. There's two reasons why I wouldn't. The internet and diversity. <sighs> yeah. That was my first answer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, where, where do you think the best city in the world is to be the healthiest possible for you? Like, where do you? Like, Los if, Angeles. Los Angeles. Yep. Here we are. Because of how vast. And you can hide in L.A. You could be up in the mountains somewhere and never see a human for two months if you really wanted to. You can, there's, there's everything in one place. Like, I've never been to a city where, you know, like, as far as, like, the container goes, you can snowboard, surf, do a plant medicine ceremony, be with some of the wealthiest minds and smartest people, forward thinking. Like, all of it happens. Sunshine, great internet, food, like just culture, diversity, like you name it, it has it here. And I travel all the time, like you. And so when I think about that question, it's like, well, what has almost everything? LA. Well, thanks for being so healthy in Los Angeles, my friend. Yes, sir. And doing what you're doing. Uh, where is the best place to find you if people are curious? At Preston Smiles on the internet. On the internet. <laughs> on the internet. Find Preston Smiles and uh, yeah, keep breaking normal. Do your thing. I trust we'll see you somewhere soon. And uh, thank you, Preston, for boom. you being you. Boom, Peace. boom, boom. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, everyone. I trust y'all are so enjoying these transmissions, becoming more of an an estate of awe, more in a state of joy, bliss, blessed. The attitude of gratitude is growing in you. You're becoming a magnet for unavoidable success more and more every day. So you're experiencing life in the most heavenly way you ever have now. And that it only gets better from here on out. That's my prayer for us. And that we're uh, giving our gifts generally, generously, generously. That uh, our cups are spilling over. And if we want to get something to give it, wow. It's been a lot to keep up with, with traveling with... Uh, our baby and Deanna and all these different climates. Like literally someone can drive to snow, to the beach, to the desert, to valleys, to rivers, all in one day on this island. And with my ambition for adventure, it's been pretty it's been a pretty fun opportunity to stay grounded and also prioritize this podcast and my other projects that are built around my passion. Um, If you want to team up with me right now, I think our number one offering I'm most excited about is uh, on February 22nd, we'll launch our next tribe design facilitator training for up to 22 people. And that will, uh, what that looks like is a month long virtual training. It's awesome. Life changing. I mean, if you're attached to seeking affirmations for your limitations, are you looking to surround yourself with people that don't hold you accountable to your highest, it's probably not for you. But if you're ready to go all in on your dreams and start living like today is the best day ever, and we're not sure how many days we'll have, but we're willing to go all in in the meantime, this is for you. If you want to cultivate the art of being able to design a tribe wherever in the world you go, that you just become a a magnet for connection and that you understand how to connect people, even if they don't agree with one another, able to uh, basically be a catalyst for heart sync over group think. If that's something you're looking for or being able to facilitate retreats that get you paid to share your passion in a way that feels good and makes like money more clean in my opinion. I think a lot of people think money is dirty because they're trading their time doing something they don't want to do to see numbers move on their screen. And that's one of those moments I would ask you to ask how much is making this money costing me? How much is saving money costing me? And to treat money as there's no shortage of it because in reality money is made up and how can something made up be scarce? So I trust all these podcasts and transmission are getting you to go all in on your dreams and passions beyond your stories around money, time, or space because those seem the cultural norms that most people 
are ready to break through to start living a more liberated life rather than under someone else's ploy. So if this resonates with you, go ahead and send your application in today at internationaltribedesign.com and one of our awesome team members will get back to you to explore if you're a good fit because if you are, we want you to start running retreats around the world, designing tribes based on what lights you up the most. Build the people and the places will come. And that seems to be a real reality here. While I've been out here in Hawaii, so many people want to show me their the land they're stewarding, the retreat centers they're building, the ideas around designing functional tribes that are thriving rather than the vicious circle of some of the cultures that are not working. It's been such an inspiring trip, and uh, I'm, I'm wanting to team up with the people that are taking the time out of their day to tune in and listen to these ideas about Breaking Normal. If you're ready to take action, hit me up, breakingnormal.com. I trust if, if you're feeling the call, we'll see you in Austin, and uh, we'll get you trained to start facilitating your own events and maybe some even tribe designs. That's what's happening in Austin. Three people that have gone through the program are actually facilitating this event, and our intention is to show up as either supporters or uh, special guests, but more as a um, as experiencing the experience as an attendee, like maybe you who's listening will be. So if you're ready to celebrate life in a tribe design in one of the greatest places on earth at the greatest time to be there, I'm trusting I'll see you in my inbox or I'll see an application from you. And we'll get ready to party in all the cool ways. All the ways that make everything better. This is not like an experience of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's like what happens at a tribe design upgrades everything forever. Hmm. Aloha, y'all. Keep breaking normal.